Hello there, you're listening to the very first edition of the Global Voices podcast. The date is May 24th, 2006. The Global Voices podcast aims to do for online audio what the Global Voices website does for text blogs. That is, to introduce listeners to some of the exciting audio offerings from podcasters throughout the world. I'm Georgia Popplewell, the Global Voices regional editor for the Caribbean coming to you from Trinidad and Tobago. And you can visit the Global Voices website at globalvoicesonline.org. On today's show, we travel to Mexico to find out how that particular blogosphere is reacting to the general election coming up in July. We also get a chance to hear a Jamaican poet read from one of his works, visit with a group of peace fighters in Palestine, Listen to a resident of Kazakhstan hold forth on the culinary wonders of her native land. Hear an interview with the director of a film which was banned in Malaysia. How is the predominantly Catholic city of Manila, capital of the Philippines, dealing with a certain film based on a certain best-selling novel? And why is it so hard to buy a bird in Singapore? All this coming up on this first edition of the Global Voices podcast, where we begin by taking you to South Africa for a bit of Jewish humor from the Toast Fantastic podcast. I'm so worried about Davi. Why? What has he been doing? Well, it's not just the one thing, Mari. It's a whole new behavior, and I'm really worried. Ach, it can't be that bad. I'm so worried it could be, you know. What? Having intercourse behind your back? Ach, that's normal, Rita. No, Mari. It's much worse. He's listening to different music. <gasps> He's growing his hair in this weird curly style. He's hanging around other guys, mostly. Rita. You're not telling me that your son, that, that butch little Davi, is, is of the gay. Oh, what else could it be, Mari? He's wearing hats, growing his facial hair in a peculiar style, becoming interested in my cooking. Oh, oh, oh God, Mari, what is Willem going to say? Oh, here he is now. You see for yourself. How's it, Ma? Tani Mari, how's it? Hello, Hello Davi. Ma, I hope you don't have plans for dinner tonight because I've invited Avi and Schlummer around to come show us how to have Shabbos. Oh. Uh, hey, Tani Mari, you have to try these Tagelachter just to die for. Oh, God, Rita, it's worse than you thought. Your boy has turned into a bagel. That clip was from the Toast Fantastic podcast out of South Africa. And links to the podcasts highlighted in this show can, of course, be found at the website at globalvoicesonline.org. On July 2nd, Mexico will hold a general election. And as you can well imagine, bloggers have a lot to say about it. Eduardo Arcos got together a group of these online scribes last week for part one of a series of discussions on the subject. Here's an excerpt from that Spanish language show. Hola, podcast número 20 de tecnología de Dixo.com. Yo soy Eduardo Arcos y hoy tenemos muchos invitados. Eh, lo que quería es que ellos se presenten como, como quieran. Por ok, favor, perfectamente. Este, director creativo de Enigmatario. <risa> El Enigma. Yo soy Leon Felipe Sánchez, Creative Commons México. Y aparte mi blog, Leon Felipe Sánchez. Y Ricardo Cortizo de www.3.0.net. Alfredo Sánchez, holganza.com. Perfecto, pues, y yo soy de nuevo eh, Eduardo y estamos aquí en el fucking podcast. Nunca había tenido tanta gente en, en este pequeño estudio y la idea es hablar de 
política y blogs, como el, el tema político y las elecciones a presidente en México están afectando todos nuestros blogs. Algunos efectivamente tratan únicamente de política, otros no necesariamente. Eh, ese es mi caso, por ejemplo. Y cómo los blogs pueden influir, si es que influyen, si, ahí está la pregunta, inclusive, si, si los blogs realmente influyen en la decisión de nuestros lectores. ¿no? Mexican A-list blogger Eduardo Arcos and friends at Dixo.com in that excerpt. And for the benefit of our non-Spanish speaking listeners, in that clip, Eduardo's guests were basically introducing themselves, after which they raised one of the central questions of the discussion, which was, do blogs really influence readers' political decisions? Jamaica is well known, of course, for its rich musical heritage. But the island also has a strong literary tradition, which is being built upon today by writers like Jeffrey Philp. Let's listen now to Jeffrey reading an excerpt from his poem, A Kind of Surrender. A Kind of Surrender for Heather over bright faces in a photograph taken just days after her 15th birthday with Anna, my daughter, Lindsay, Jeffrey, and Christine, holding her aloft like some Greek heroine. She would accept the dare born from the fissure between those whom she had loved so much, the fault lines that unearthed fists of pine that ringed wetlands, forests of hardwood hammocks and sinkholes further north. And she would swallow those hard white tablets one by one, while the puis blared their yellow trumpets against a Lenten sky, parched by a pale promise. Azrael's hands spread between his luminous wings as he gently squeezed her heart, a bitter pill for every year. Jamaican poet Jeffrey Philp. Chris Cowperthwaite lives in Bethlehem in the West Bank, and recently he had the opportunity to talk with members of Combatants for Peace, a group comprising former Israeli soldiers and Palestinian fighters that have joined forces to, and I quote, counter the message that independence must be maintained or achieved through the barrel of a gun. You wouldn't know this group just formed over a year ago, given the size of the turnout today. Busloads of supporters arrived in this East Jerusalem town, about eight kilometers northeast of the city. Avichai Sharon, a former IDF soldier who has been involved with the group since it began, suggests that the group is generating so much interest because of its unique combination of personal stories and political action. The amazing thing for me in Combatants for Peace is that here you, you have here, I mean, usually you either have a very interesting or, or dramatic political kind of uh, message or movement or a very interesting and dramatic uh, personal, you know, kind of story. And here you have both because the people who, who, who are in Combatants for Peace, it's not another, just another regular peace initiative, joint Israeli-Palestinian peace initiative. It's people who, who went through a personal process of being violent until a certain point and reaching a point where we decided, each one of us, deciding that we won't take part in the violence anymore. Before you listen to this next clip, you might want to go and get yourself something to eat, especially if you have a taste for things like horse meat. In this next excerpt, Stavros Rugas of the Kazakhstan Stories podcast talks with a resident of the city of Almaty, 
about some of the culinary delights of the Republic of Kazakhstan. If someone comes what to, to Kazakhstan, what would they eat? Okay, first of all, I think people would recommend to try Beshbarmak, which means five fingers in Kazakh. Because uh, traditionally, Kazakhs used to eat it with hands and they never used forks or spoons or anything like that. Um, basically, it's horse meat, uh, onions, and dough. And it's considered the most traditional Kazakh dish. The rest of the uh, traditional dishes that we have are kind of controversial, like uh, on actually on the origin of it, because plof. With plof is easy. Plof is uh, everyone knows it's Uzbek, but still uh, a lot of other ethnic groups uh, have adopted it into their daily diet. Have to say. It's basically rice, uh, fried meat with lots of carrots and rice. Uh, Manti also is considered to be Kazakh, but they say originally it comes from uh, Dungan people that are from China. Uh, it's basically onions and meat as well, wrapped in dough, and it's steamed. What about Russian food that's, uh, that's called foods from other parts of the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union. Russian vipilmini, which is again <laughs> meat and dough, but this time it's boiled in water. Uh, and then you get Ukrainian borscht, which, uh, which I think is the best soup in the world. I mean, it's made out of uh, vegetables, including uh, sweet beets, and also has meat. And uh, you usually eat it with smitana. And what is smitana? Smitana is a sour cream which is not sour. <laughs> Popular uh, dairy product among all ethnic groups. You can't really say whether it's Kazakh or Russian. Or it's just a so one of the Soviet things. Because, yeah, it's one thing I noticed wherever you go, yeah. they pretty well. One staple of the diet is smitana. Smitana. Smitana, that, sounds, uh, that actually sounds quite delicious, I think. And just to remind you that all the links for the podcasts featured on this show can be found at the Global Voices website at globalvoicesonline.org. And you're listening, of course, to the Global Voices podcast, where we travel next to Malaysia, whose citizens will not have the opportunity to see the latest film by documentary filmmaker Amir Mohammed. Why? Because the film has been banned. Unio caught up with Mohammed in his May 18th podcast. The, the film has been banned. Uh, why, why do you think it's been banned? It's been banned. Uh, it's all part of my publicity campaign, actually. It was all very carefully thought out. Because it was two weeks before release, and I suddenly realized the movie is not famous enough. So I called up my friends in high places and, and got them to agree to ban it. The best way to get free publicity, right? Yes, of course, of course. Um, I think... Um, it's getting as much publicity as the Da Vinci Code in Malaysia. Yeah. <laughs> so that can't be a bad thing, right? Ah, yes. yes well, right. Do you think you'll eventually get unbanned? Are you optimistic? Um, well, I am an optimistic person by nature. Um, <laughs> it's one of my annoying traits. Um, so I, I hope so. That's all I can say. I mean, I can't predict. Uh, we're having a screening for members of parliament. And even though I'm not sure why, because... Um, the censorship board had already passed it. But, you know, whoever can help 
at this stage. I think uh, I'm willing to meet them. But we've been trying to make a formal appeal by meeting the Home Ministry. But this has so far been unsuccessful because they have not even agreed to meet us. So I'm not sure why. We've been trying every day and today is the fourth day in a row. So they are the people who will decide to unban it or not. Yeah. And staying with the subject of films. If you were listening closely to Amir Mohammed's interview just now, you'd have heard him mention the movie that is the subject of the next excerpt. It is based on a mega best-selling novel and features Tom Hanks sporting a funny hairstyle. I don't have to tell you that I'm talking about The Da Vinci Code, which was not banned for some reason in the predominantly Catholic capital city of the Philippines, at least not for people over the age of 18. The Radio Free Harvard Kubao podcast has the word from Manila. And in the Philippines, there was this uh, archbishop, oh, sorry, not archbishop, bishop called Lagdemeyo, who actually asked the government to ban the film. Uh, but the government didn't actually ban the film. In fact, it gave it an R18 rating, which means only 18 years old and above can actually watch the film. And giving it an R rating automatically banned it at uh, one of the bigger cinema complexes in Manila. Uh, and, uh, sorry, in Metro Manila and this was the SM Cinema Malls if you're familiar with Shumart and Mega Mall um, most of the well they have several malls now around Metro Manila around Metro Manila even around the country and uh, with the movie being slapped with an R18 by the Board of Censors um, it actually uh, takes it out of the fi- uh, of the co- cinema complex of SM, so they can't show it there. Our last stop on this first edition of the Global Voices podcast is Singapore, home of Mr. Brown, the country's self-confessed infantile terrible. I kid you not, that is what he calls himself. In this episode, Mr. Brown and his sidekick, Mr. Miyagi, go to the market to buy some birds. Hello and welcome to the Mr. Brown Show once again. This is Mr. Brown. And this is Mr. Miyagi. Hi, welcome to the Mr. Brown Show and this is Mr. Brown. And this is Mr. Miyagi. The other day we went to the market to buy some birds. And there were no more birds. Excuse me, my sister is going away on a journey. I would like to wish her good luck. Five birds, please. I'm sorry. No more birds, da. The bloody Richard gave by every single bird in my shop. I'm retiring now. <laughs> Goodness gracious me. Why are you crying, my child? Damn you, Richard Gere. Damn your eyes. Damn your grey hair. My whole family is going to die. Goodness me, my child. Why? Because they're Richard Gere by all the birds. So I cannot wish them any luck. Darling, why your car is full of but she died? Damn the Richard Gere. And on that light and feathery note, my friends, we have come to the end of this first edition of the Global Voices podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you all for listening and also thank those who submitted suggestions for podcasts to be featured on this show. Please keep those coming, by the way. You can submit suggestions by using the contact link at the Global Voices website, globalvoicesonline.org. There, you'll also find the show notes and links to all of the podcasts featured in this edition in the post accompanying this show. 
before closing a very, very important note about the music. In the background of this episode, you heard Kubrick's Tube by Michael Masley and Too Tight by Falik, both used with the kind permission of Magnatune.com, where you can purchase both of these tracks and a whole lot more great music by a host of independent artists. This podcast is, of course, a production of Global Voices, created with the collaboration of the Global Voices team of editors, authors, and friends. I'm Georgia Popplewell, and until next time, take good care. Bye.